I say that all the time. I have too much blood. Hiya, strangers, and welcome to Half-Ass History, the podcast where two embarrassingly unqualified people teach you about a topic. Get ready for some mildly incorrect information and a lot of side tangents. Okay, I figure I will start. Uh, it's going to be weird. I've Well, A, because I don't like presenting things. It's already uncomfortable for me. But, you know, it's also a subject that, like, I didn't know a whole lot about. And I learned, like, an hour ago. Okay, well... This is going to be an interesting, like, little experiment and, like, just social interaction. It'll be interesting to see, like, I've thought about this, like, when you first mentioned it to me. And I was like, can I do a podcast with my sister? Because that's weird. But, like, just to see, like, we know each other's personalities. Sure. But then when we think we're talking to people, let's see how our personality changes. Do we turn into, like superstar you know all of a sudden right like (laughs) and that's why i was trying to just be like let's just make it a conversation so i don't have to try to be somebody else right 100 well and that's the that's the only way i want it to go i don't want it to be like stiff and weird uh because it's super weird but also i figure i'm gonna cover topics that i'm like i've never heard of this and you're gonna be like i know everything about that already and your research was poor and you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I imagine there will be a topic where one of us will know yeah. more about it and we can like interject with things or even like and that's like the beauty is like cut me off ask questions be like that didn't make yeah. sense you wrote this so shittily <laughs> fix it <laughs> all right I like it. okay my topic is it's something that I knew about but I didn't know any of the history about which is bloodletting so ah, interesting yes, yes. yeah was a random one that I chose. It was on my short list on my phone and I was at the park with the dogs and I was like, uh, bloodletting. Let's start with that one. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Okay. So bloodletting was actually practiced for about 3,000 years, which yes. I feel like that's not as long as I would have imagined. Um, and it wasn't until like the late 19th century that it was actually kind of discredited as a treatment, which that number tracks to me, but I still feel like it was something that was done way longer than 3,000 years. But... Again, that's probably just my misconception of things or just no history of it. So it started with the Egyptians and then the Greeks and then the Romans and then the Arabs and then the Asians and then eventually the Europeans before it started to decline. And um, it was practiced a little bit in Western medicine. And now it's just very rarely used and only for very specific reasons. So we still do it, but not a ton, which is still weird to me (laughs) well i don't know if you'll get into this but there's sort of a few physicians that kind of want to go back to it like there was something to this but it's you know it's fringe like like anything else right okay no see and i didn't come across any of that research so this is great (laughs) now i have something else to research okay so there are a couple different types of bloodletting there's like a generalized method and a localized method Uh and the generalized method is done by venesection and artery, artery, arteryotomy, which I can't pronounce either of those words. So buckle up. Venesection is basically just another word for phlebotomy. So like, all right, okay. that's easy enough. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Just call it phlebotomy then. And the arteryotomy, I can't say that because artery is already a weird word. And then when you add extra vowels to it, it's just not friendly. But that's basically cutting or opening up the artery wall okay which sounds very dangerous and then 
the localized method is done by either scarification with cupping and leeches. So venesection was the most common procedure and it was, um, they used the main vein at the elbow and it's pretty similar to just getting your blood drawn today, but obviously probably way less sanitary and people didn't know what they were doing. (laughs) So did you look into like what they would use? Like what a needle or. So they said later on that they would use like little lancets and stuff, but back before, not really, but for the scarification, which I found really interesting. They said that they used a cube shaped brass box that contained multiple little knives and they scraped that across the skin and then they followed it up with cupping to like pull it all out. Oh my gosh. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that's fascinating to me. And also like horrifying. I think but when that, you, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, when you use the word scraping across the skin, it's like <laughs> the grossest. Uh, no. And then when you right. mentioned that like it's a nails knife. Across, it's, it's just nails across so, the chalkboard. Yeah, it's so bad. But what wow. were you going to say? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. And then, sorry, I had to burp. <laughs> okay, well, I remember then. So... It wouldn't, if they're using that box to scrape against the skin, at that point, it's not arteriotomy. It's, <laughs> then you're getting into like just little capillaries and stuff on so, the surface. Yeah. So that was the, um, so there were the two different kinds. There was generalized and then localized. Mm-hmm. Localized was scarification. Generalized gotcha. was the, um, the venesection and the arteriotomy. Ugh, that's a terrible word. I'm just going to give up. I don't think I write it again. Thank goodness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. Um, I keep bringing it up. No, it's fine. This is the point. But the leeches. So they do cupping, scarification, and leeches, which is yeah. great. So the leeches, I feel like, is something we all know is still done because every single medical drama on TV has an episode where somebody has leeches put on them. all of them every single one it's like you know if you had bad circulation or if you're uh well has to be like really poor circulation or if you had like a limb reattached or something like they stick leeches on you to do that so it's like in every episode or like every medical drama has to have an episode where somebody like loses a foot it's wow because that's what they do um definitely (laughs) an episode or two of house that has to deal with leeches i can guarantee you there's an episode of house yeah I remember Excellent. one episode, I don't know what show it was, because I watch a lot of medical dramas, but it might be House, where they put him on a dude's nose and his face, oh, and then they, cool. <laughs> when they get full, they, like, fall off and stuff, like, because they're wow. just like, mm, I'm done, and so they just, like, unattach. <laughs> That's good to know. I but I know remember, that. I remember seeing it and just being like, ugh, all over the face, because yeah. I, I can't remember what the problem the guy had, but you know, leeches, they're used quite a bit in hospitals still. But okay. So the leeches though, they're not like any leeches. You can't just go find any leech and use them. There are certain kind of leech called the Hirudo, Hirudo Medicinalis. And you know what? I looked up how to pronounce this earlier and that was not it, but we're just going to go with it. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) So it's a certain kind, basically like medical leeches. So I've also seen probably on a jackass movie where they go to a different country and there's just like people in the streets that do leech treatments yeah. and somebody got on them. It and might've like, been wild boys. If you remember, that was a spinoff with Steve-O and party boy. <laughs> yeah. 
Chris, Chris Pontius or whatever his name was. Yes, there you go. Yep. Thank you for bringing that back into my uh, my memory. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it probably was him. Was yeah. it? That's yeah, I'm I thinking don't know. Of- mm-hmm. I hope he's doing well in 2019, <laughs> but I have no idea. <laughs> God bless, Chris. We we wish only the best for you. Yes. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I do remember that. But then, so that made me think, like, what leeches were they using in these other countries? Like, are they the same ones or are they just finding leeches? Like, I don't know. But right. who knows? But um, leeches can ingest 5 to 10 milliliters of blood, which is wow. 10 times its weight. So. Yeah, that's a uh, lot. Guess what? Mom's Did you say me. 5? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> she can wait. She actually calls. She doesn't just call me randomly, usually. Oh, she does me all the time. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) So so you said five to ten milliliters? Mm Mm-hmm. That's five to ten cc's. That's a big needle. That's That's a good size needle. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, They're gross, but they're neat. Like, I, I don't really have any... Like, I'm not really grossed out by leeches, which is weird, because um, I'm grossed no, out by, like, everything. I I'm don't love them. the size of a cat, yeah. but if they're little like that, and they're just taking some blood, that's eh, cool, I guess. Like, I think if I was in the hospital, and they were like, we need to put some leeches on you, I'd be like, all right. Like, I don't think it would bother me that much, but if they came in, they were like, we need to put some wasps on you, I'd be like, pound sand and get away from me, I'll just die. <laughs> okay, so not wasps, but sidebar here, maggots. <laughs> They use maggots oh, to get rid of, to, like, gangrene and dead tissue sometimes. Yeah. You know, that would be a strange situation that you might need something like that. But it's still used in medical mm-hmm. practice today. So mm-hmm. would you be cool with having some maggots put on your knee or something to get like, rid of something? Not really. They would yeah. have to, like, put, like, a sheet down, in like, between me and my <laughs> knee or whatever. Because... Just give I, me a spinal tap for like <laughs> 48 hours while those things do their thing. I don't even want to like know that I have knees Mm-mm. while they're down there doing stuff, right? Oh, exactly. Numb me. <laughs> just knock me out. <laughs> yeah, is that a thing? Can I be knocked out that long? <laughs> Truly. That's, uh, yeah, no. But like leeches, I'd be like, all right. For some reason, that one doesn't freak me out. But I feel like it should. There's not a whole lot of difference. Do they hurt when they first bite you, I wonder? Because, like, you don't notice if you have a tick. Do you notice if a leech bites you? Because they're significantly bigger. Yeah, they're quite large. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, well, look it up. Yeah. <laughs> look it up as I teach you more. Uh, because this, maybe this is a new episode, as we just need to talk about leeches. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, the history of bloodletting. When it spread to Greece, the physicians there believed that illnesses were caused by an overabundance of blood, as one does. Like, yeah, of course. Blood. That's, <laughs> I say that all the time. I have too much blood. Same. I was like, you know, <laughs> oh, if I could just bleed for a week. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> if there was only something sucking out the blood. Does anybody know any vampires? Okay. So, um, I wouldn't want to die from a vampire, but if I could be one of those like (laughs) vampire dudes, like, like on hire from a vampire that they just like bite my wrist and like take some for a while and then like go back to like hanging out with vampires, that would be cool. I mean, you can just go, and I would be really healthy. You could go to New Orleans and be like, I feel like I have the flu, it's coming on. Can you just take some blood? I have too much. I'm here to offer you my services, and there are people down there that actually drink blood. So oh my there God. you go. 
Is this only during Mardi Gras? No, this is a thing. Wow. This is a new episode. Did they watch Interview with the Vampire too many times and thought like Creole culture and vampires went together? Pretty much, yeah. Like in the French Quarter, you're going to find them down there all the time. Um, I've seen many documentaries on them. They're very weird people, but God God bless them. (laughs) That'll be a new episode. Mark that down. Real life vampires. So Hippocrates theorized that humans needed a perfect balance of the four humors. So blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Black Black bile. bile. Uh, Which really makes me want to know what that is. Because I have no idea. And that's horrifying. But to me, I also think like, so did they just think that like when you're sick, you are super phlegmy or you throw up yellow bile or like apparently black bile comes out of you somewhere? I don't know. So they were like, they just looped blood into that where they were like, well, our body naturally like expels all of these things. Might as well throw blood in there too. Like clearly too much blood. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me, but you know. So when the practice finally arrived in Europe, it was a standard treatment for things like the plague, smallpox, gout, and even epilepsy. So again, seems super dangerous, bleeding out plague victims, not great. And don't know why it would treat epilepsy, but sure thing. I've got ghosts in my blood. I need to get them out. Is that is that the connection? I don't know. Which actually is a beautiful segue into this next this next like little fact, which is um, during this time a church edict prohibited monks and priests from doing the procedure because they used to sometimes stand in for doctors, and the church was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we do not like this is evil. We don't agree with this. Like bloodletting is very bad." So because now the priests were not doing it, barbers started offering services like bloodletting, cupping, tooth extractions, lancing, and even amputations. So basically it was like, can I get a trim? And then also, can you just take off like the left arm? Just fully (laughs) take this off. (laughs) Wow. Barbers. Yeah. Which is actually, so like, you know, the striped barber's pole? Yeah. That's actually where that symbol came from is barber slash surgeons used to hang bloodstained towels outside of their offices to let people know that they offered bloodletting services. So it like became this symbol. But it didn't just stay over there. So in pre-Columbian Mesoamerica, bloodletting was done as a sacrifice to the gods. And um, the blood loss would also allow individuals to enter a trance-like state in which they had visions of deities or their ancestors. So super chill. You are basically dying. Wow. You're like, there's my there's my ancestors. Like, yeah, because you're half dead. Right. You would Not see a lot of stuff if you're <laughs> half dead. If yeah. you're down a, two or three pints. Yeah. Yeah. Super casual. So there have been a couple famous bloodletting deaths, or at least deaths that they think bloodletting played a significant uh, cause in. Yeah, I think I know who you're going to say. There's a couple. So first of all was Marie Antoinette, who... Oh. Um, during the birth of her first child, fainted. And the doctor was like, hold up, let me get my <laughs> lancet out. And basically, like, stabbed her, which woke her up. And they were like, yeah, see, bloodletting woke her up. And it was like, or maybe because she was stabbed, or maybe because they also <laughs> opened windows at the same time, and it was the fresh air that, that you know, actually woke her up. There's wow. multiple reasons. But they were like, no, no, it, it fixed her. So that's terrifying. 
So she didn't die from that, but okay. it was like a famous bloodletting. Anyway, um, yeah, Charles, like, <laughs> <laughs> Charles II suffered from a seizure in 1685, and his doctors used bloodletting as a form of treatment, and they nicked his arm and his neck, and his physician filled a basin with his blood, which seems oh, like a gosh. large amount. They also gave him enemas, made him drink different potions, and then bled him again before he lapsed into a coma and died. Because, uh, of course he did. You yeah. can't do that to a person. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Go figure. So then the one that you were probably thinking of was George Washington. Absolutely. Yes. So I actually didn't know this. I had probably learned it somewhere before that, like, this is how he died. But it's never, like, I don't, unless the president was assassinated, their death, like, is not in my memory. Because Absolutely. it's just not something that stuck with me. But yeah, I only learned in the last few years. So, yeah. Yeah. So he was out riding in snowy weather because it was the 1700s and that's what you did back then. And he ended up developing a fever and respiratory distress. So he was placed under the care of his three physicians and he had just a lot of blood drawn. Actually, the article that I read said copious amounts, which seems <laughs> drastic. Like, I mean, is that as much as a basin? I don't know. <laughs> Either way, shocking. He had that. He had blood drawn. He had blistering emetics emetics i don't know what that means and laxatives all of these things were given to him and he died the next night due to what is now known was shock and um this word that i'm absolutely gonna butcher and i've tried to look it up a million times epiglottitis which is a bacterial or viral infection which cause causes inflammation of the epiglottis oh, which yeah. is the cartilage that prevents food from entering the uh windpipe when swallowing his death actually caused a lot of controversy about bloodletting and its safety and effectiveness. People were like, hey, uh, this might be something we want to look at. So, um, and around that time, people were already kind of being like, so this seems archaic. Yeah. And there were a lot of physicians that kind of battled back and forth being like, no, no, it's safe. And one that were like, no, no, this is really terrible. So one of them was Dr. Pierre Louis, who examined 77 patients with acute pneumonia he compared the results in his patients treated with bloodletting early in the phase um, or in the early phase versus the last phase of the illness. He didn't end up condemning the procedure, but he concluded that the effectiveness was much less than they had uh, commonly believed. So he was kind of like, yeah, I don't want to say it doesn't work, but it's really not. It really is not a great way to treat pneumonia like we previously thought. There were other studies done by Pastor, Coke, and Virchow, and others that confirmed um, the validity of new scientific methods. And, you know, so everyone started going towards these new ones that were like, hey, these are new Western ways to help yourself, and they're working much better, and bloodletting just kind of dissipated. But like I said at the start, there are a few conditions that bloodletting is still used in today. There's three of them, and they all have fun Latin names. Because of course they did. Hemochromatosis, which is someone that has abnormal iron accumulation. Yeah. So they do periodic phlebotomy sessions, which helps maintain ferritin levels. Poly, uh, polycythemia vera, which is a stem cell and bone marrow disorder that leads to the overproduction of red blood cells and variable overproduction of white blood cells and platelets. So again, phlebotomy is used to decrease the chances of clots. Okay. So, and then 
Porphia cutanea tarda mm. has mm. to do with iron metabolism. And again, phlebotomy is used to decrease iron levels and prevent accumulation in various organs. Yeah. And then the last thing was leech therapy, which we already kind of discussed. So it's still used today. Leeches actually secrete several biologically active substances like anticoagulants. So yes. not only do they pull blood through, but they're also like kind of regurgitating all these great things for you. And maybe that's why I'm less uh-huh. freaked out by them than maggots. Cause I'm just like maggots mean rotten where yes. leeches are like, Hey, we're not, we're not like mosquitoes where we like bite you and take your blood and give you West Nile. We just, yeah. we help you. So I'm like, mm. but yeah, so leeches can help reduce venous congestion and prevent tissue necrosis and yeah, and can be used for skin grafts or reattachment surgery. Interesting. And oh, but then this is the other thing is that even now it's kind of come into question about the safety concerns about secondary infections from leeches like like what about these other issues and so the university of wisconsin has developed a mechanical leech so very cool yes yeah that makes sense yeah so that is my spiel about bloodletting fantastic did you learn anything absolutely tons of stuff (laughs) like tons of latin words yeah that i've already forgotten so have i (laughs) I i've read them multiple times and i don't know any of them yeah, if I decide to be like Patch Adams and go back to school to become a physician at like 38 years old, then I might have to remember some of these Latin words. But if I don't do that, then when I need to know them, thank yeah. God for the internet. If they gave me like a multiple choice test right now, oh, in yeah. like two months from now, no. But a multiple choice test right now, I could probably like circle them. I could be like, yes, I know it's this one. I can't pronounce <laughs> it though. But in two months from now, I'm going to be like, what are you talking about? And they'll be like, you literally talked about it for a half an hour. And I'll be like, "Mm -hmm." do I I get open notes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can I pull up my podcast notes? No? Okay, then. (laughs) Then, nah, I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. I talked about that? It's weird. (laughs) Seriously, that's my life. All right. What are you going to teach me about? All right. So it's sort of interesting to me. Because we all know the movie Castaway, right? With Tom Hanks. Uh, yes. Very cool, right? A lot of people don't like it. I love that movie. I could watch it like today. It's oh, awesome. All right. And then we also know of Robinson Crusoe, hopefully, right? Okay. I know. So, I do know the name. I can't yes. tell you anything about it. So it was just a story written in the um, late 1700s about um, a castaway. Okay. It's, Completely fictional. The real inspiration for that story and, and what, what Castaway is based on as well is from a real guy named Alexander Selkirk. No. Who was actually marooned on an island for about four and a half years. Over four What? Years, right? Yes. Yeah. Why didn't I know this? I don't know. I didn't know it either um, until a few years ago. Probably about 10 years ago, I found out about him. And um, this um, just gave me some inspiration to do some, you know, deeper delving and stuff. But there's really not a whole lot about him and his thing. Um, Although there was a book sort of written about his stuff. It was actually a book that was written more about the captain that found him. That okay. you know rescued him off the island, and Selkirk was just sort of a um, a side note in his story. 
Yeah, Selkirk, there's a, um, a statue of him in the town in Scotland where he was born and, and was from and everything. So he's, he's pretty known in Scotland, but everywhere else, just sort of a story that was lost to history and Robinson Crusoe and Castaway are yeah. what are in the modern thing rather than the actual guy, Alexander Selkirk. Yeah, all of us over here are just like, what? Tom Hanks? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. All we know. He plays every important person in history. So to us, he's it's just Tom Hanks. It's just Tom Hanks. The I can't remember the guy's name, but in Apollo 13, that's him. Yeah. And Sully. And He's doing Mr. Rogers now. Good Lord, that's going to be a movie. Okay, well, I'll have to look into that. <laughs> it looks great. It makes me want to cry and believe in humanity. It's like, oh... He, yeah, he's he was just in a couple other people too. Didn't he play Walt Disney in one or two? Oh. Hello. There's monsters in my backyard. <laughs> so I don't know if he actually played Walt Disney. That's pretty interesting. But I know Walt Disney's known as like a bad guy. So unless it was a movie as like a bad person, I can't imagine it being made. But I could be wrong. Uh, I'm gonna have to look. I'll fact check while you teach me about this dude. So Alexander Selkirk. Um, okay. <laughs> He was uh, the seventh son of a cobbler in Scotland, and he was a bit of a hothead and got in trouble a few times and whatnot, and finally decided to go and uh, go out to sea with a privateer. Now, a side note here, we have this sort of, uh, this idea of pirates, and um, they were like bad guys and just, you know, did this stuff. I don't know. Were they bad guys? Because Johnny Depp kind of like changed that where like a pirate could be like a good guy in a way. But anyway, uh, pirates, there, there were like legit pirates who like just robbed other ships. But what was interesting is there was a thing called a privateer and most pirates were privateers. And privateers, this is in the 16 to 1700s. Do you know what this is? No, I was just going to say, side note, uh, Tom Hanks also played Captain Phillips with pirates. <laughs> so, again. <laughs> Modern day pirates. Yes. So again. he had to be Captain Phillips, too. Right. Anybody good Tom Hanks would be. That's why I don't think he would be Walt Disney. He was think... in Saving Mr. Banks. He played Walt Disney. What year was that? 2013. I thought what? that was the movie name, and then I was like, I don't think it is, because I never saw it. Mm-mm. He has played literally every person in history. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Anywho. So, privateers. <laughs> privateers were an interesting thing. They were legit pirates. But what happened in those years is the main um, seafaring nations, so Holland, Spain, England, France, uh, Portugal, they had pretty much, you know, colonized, you know, the rest of the world, right? And they were bringing back goods from the New World and stuff and, like, enriching, you know, these nations of Europe. But at that time, they were making so much money and doing so well, they didn't want to, like, fight each other, like, on the European continent. They were just like, we're cool with the land we have. So we're just going to, like, fight in, like, these other areas where we've, like, you know, colonized. And also, like, if you're bringing goods back, we want to fight your ships and, and take your uh, your right. booty, so to speak, right? But we yeah, don't yeah. want to start any war here. So what we're going to do is we're going to license these private ships to go out under, you know, say, like, England, England's banner, 
and they can go out and they're funded and they pay for a ship for you to go out and like overtake Spanish ships or whatever, right? Okay. So that was yeah. privateering, like, and you're basically okay. a pirate, but it's a state-sanctioned pirate. Yeah. And there's no you're movies like, about this stuff. You're right? upscale. You're an upscale pi- pirate. You're, you're not, a. Uh, you're you're a protected by the pirate. crown. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're not part of the the British Royal Navy, which existed, no. right? You're your own thing, but any spoils you get, you have to give to a, a certain percentage. You have to give back to the British. Okay. So it was state-sanctioned piracy, which right. is crazy, right? Like, could you imagine, like, a state going out there and funding people to, like, steal a cargo ship, right? Yeah. Like, we don't like China nowadays. If the U.S. went out there and paid pirates to, like, take over um, a Chinese cargo vessel. Like, it that would, would be not weird, surprise right? me, though. If we found out that was actually happening in this world, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> But it doesn't. We, we know that doesn't happen because when I order something suck. from China, it gets here 100% of the time, which is pretty amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. So that's not happening. But if it did, like, it would be weird and it would be a way for, like, the U.S. to be like, hey, we didn't do that. We just paid this guy to do stuff. But <laughs> it's not us. Like, it didn't have an American flag on it. It had a pirate flag. We're just getting some of the spoils from that and we paid yeah. this guy to go do it. But anyway. But it wasn't us. What, that's what privateering was at the time. So Alexander Selkirk, um, he ran into some uh, problems with his family and the local um, church there. And he was like, well, screw you guys, I'm going to go out to sea. So he joins up with a privateer and he goes out and becomes like a sailor, right? At like 19 years old. And another sidebar is kind of goes interestingly into what you were talking about with bloodletting. Like, bloodletting kind of goes away at the same time where we kind of figure out what causes scurvy. Because Mm. scurvy was, like, a huge problem um, for sailing throughout history, right? And especially when sailing became, like, months at a time um, around, like, the 13th, 14th century when, like, you could go out and be on a ship for, like, months before that. It really didn't happen, but once we started like circumnavigate the globe and everything, and go on these long adventures, like scurvy became an issue. And scurvy, did they try, like, did they try bloodletting? Where they like, you know what? <laughs> you seem really weak. Uh, bloodletting was not uh, a a, ca- a, 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 a cure. Yeah, a treatment yeah. for uh, did, scurvy. <laughs> weren't there some weird treatments that they tried though? Like, oh, I feel yeah. like. There was, there's one that I can't, it's like right there and I can't grab it. And I'm like, it was some weird thing. There's Uh, something weird where, um, uh, so throughout the years, like scurvy was a huge deal and people were trying to like figure out what it was. And so a few physicians, as we called them at the time, (laughs) um, kind of had some theories and then this one guy had a theory. No that, barbers? No barbers that I heard of. That's <laughs> that's an interesting thing right there. But these were more like uh, ship physicians and whatnot. Sure. But one of the guy found thought that there was free air inside of you. And you had to have things that like had this free air that like expanded your cells or something like that. Right? <laughs> so, um, so beer was often a remedy for scurvy right because it had 
um, some carbonation in it. And it wasn't like today's beer. Today's beer, carbonation is added just like soda. But natural beer has a certain amount of carbonation in it from um, the yeast. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. the fermentation. Mm-hmm. So um, that was one of the remedies for scurvy because you didn't have enough free air. Well, hey, this thing has bubbles in it. This will give you some free air in your cells, right? <laughs> free um, air. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> sure. So there was a, a few remedies and stuff. And it's it's amazing that, like, they never, like, officially found a cure for scurvy, even though, like, it, as soon as, like, the 13th century, people are knowing that, like, citrus stuff yeah. aids in scurvy cures, right? Yeah. Because scurvy just wasn't on ships. It was, you know, throughout everywhere because the human body doesn't create its own vitamin C, which is ridiculous. But so you could develop scurvy in a lot of different places. And they knew that like citrus was something that cured it, but they didn't know why. And they never officially adopted it. Maybe they just thought it was like too simple. So they never did anything about it. And it wasn't until like the 1800s where they finally had done like enough experiments at sea to realize that like orange juice or lemon juice was something that would absolutely cure it. Even then... They were still like, well, there's something else that like sort of works. So we're going to try that instead. And sauerkraut <laughs> was actually used extensively instead of like anything else. Oh, interesting. And, and maybe and, because it lasted for so long because it was already like, a, you know, yeah. fermented. But it had enough stuff in it that was left over vitamin C that it actually prevented scurvy from happening. All right. So crazy sidebar there. But just to show you how crazy ship life was or what a privateer would endure. So Selkirk, on one of his first um, privateering expeditions, (laughs) the ship experienced like a lot of scurvy. Um, They had pest infestations, which usually meant like um, weevils and stuff in their um, their, uh, stuff. And then like maggots and worms and their other stuff. So that's what the ship was dealing with. And they, um, this was an English ship. Well, it was a privateer, but under the, sure. you know, English, whatever you call it. They uh, ran into a couple altercations with Spanish vessels. And so it um, caused some damage to the ship, right? So they've got all these problems. Um, and they end up in South America on the Chilean side. And mm-hmm. they're like 400 miles off the coast of Chile. And they come across these islands, totally uninhabited. Um, they stop there to get like fresh water and try to repair the ship and do some stuff. Because these guys were like ridiculously um, innovative with like any supplies that they could get. They would, you know, chop down trees and, you know, uh, make boards and shore up their ship and do whatever they had to do. So that's what they were doing. And this, uh, this guy, Alexander Selkirk, was like... Um, that ship's going to sink and I don't want anything to do with it. So you guys can just like leave me here. (laughs) The captain like actually like obliged him, gave him a musket, a Bible and some other provisions and was like, okay, man, go for it. And then they left. He thought he'd be there for a little bit. He ended up being there for over four years before he um, was rescued by another English vessel. So the, the (laughs) Island was, it wasn't, completely uninhabited like different ships had obviously been there because there was cats on the island there was um goats on the island um so he was a and there were rats also 
So he was I able to catch. Idea. I love the idea that he's just like left there and there's just cats everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> there was more goats than cats because. Like a, a crazy of... cat lady's dream, though. Like, give me an <laughs> island filled with cats. <laughs> There's no men and cats everywhere. <laughs> I am so happy. So he he would catch a few rats to eat, but mostly he found out how to hunt the goats pretty easily. Sure. And he would use their skins and, and eat their meat and whatnot. So there was quite a bit of goats on this island. And this thing wasn't like the island on Castaway that's, like, pretty small. This thing was like a substantial island. It was like pretty big, like a few square miles. Okay, yeah. So, so there was like lots of goats on the island, and he was able to like, um, you know, hunt the goats and, and use their hide for like clothing and whatnot, because any kind of like cotton clothing and whatnot in that kind of environment just like disintegrates over time. It just doesn't work. It's called jungle rot. So when they found him, he was um, completely clothed in, in goat hide. <laughs> And it, it doesn't go into depth of like what he did with the cats, so I have not. <laughs> I hope he just like took one with him when like the ship found him. He was just like, and this is my cat that must come with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had one that like really liked him. That would be. Awesome. He named it Wilson. That's what Wilson's based <laughs> off of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why he named it Wilson, I don't know. <laughs> because foreshadowing. That's why. <laughs> So no in-depth stuff about that. So there isn't a lot of detail on what he actually did on the island and whatnot. Um, But one of the things that was pretty interesting is that at two instances, another ship pulled up in the harbor. And he's like, yeah, I'm rescued. But they were a Spanish ship. And if they found an Englishman out there, he'd just go to jail for the rest of his life. So at one point, he realized that it was a Spanish ship and he avoided them. Another point, he was like, I'm going to light this, you know, signal fire. They're going to know I'm here. And then he realizes it's a Spanish ship. And he's like, oh, crap. And so the Spanish, you know, find him. They try to, you know, hunt him down. And he's able to, you know, hide. And they eventually leave. Or else he would have spent his life in a Spanish prison. And you didn't last long in prison back in those days. So he's like, this is my island, bitch. Well, he didn't fight fight anything. He just hid. (laughs) Because he wanted to be arrested. Come uh, try and find me. Be, yeah, exactly. But there's not I much also, detail into what he does to avoid capture or if he, you know, creates stuff like Swiss Family Robinson where they fight off the Chinese pirates or what. I don't know. But Like junk, <laughs> Jungle Home Alone. He's got like swinging coconuts. <laughs> yeah, it's no. kind of like Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. I imagine the Spaniards, though, were like, here's this person that needs help, and they don't know that he's English, and they're like, we're trying to help you, and he's just <laughs> running and hiding, and they're like, no, like, you lit Where off a flare, <laughs> you lit off a flare for us, like, what? Yeah, I catch them like, oh, you're English, sir, <laughs> well, you gotta go to jail. They're just, like, tracing through the jungle, and they're like, what, this asshole, <laughs> leave him, just leave him. <laughs> and that's eventually what they did. He was marooned in 1704, and in 1709, he was um, rescued by another English ship, thank goodness. And the captain of the ship was the guy who eventually wrote a book about all his stuff, because he actually, like, circumnavigated the globe and had all kinds of um, crazy uh, encounters. He was, like, a very good privateer. Like, he probably captured, like, a hundred ships, brought back, like, millions of dollars worth of booty. Like, this dude was, like, a legit pirate, right? Like, we should know this guy's name, but we don't. 
Tom he, Hanks should play him in a film. Ooh, I, this guy would probably be considered pretty bad by today's standards. Um, he's not a Sully or a well, Captain. He did play Sully. Walt Disney, so. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, I've got to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can find this book, um, and it's called A Cruising Voyage Around the World, and the subtitle is The Adventures of an English Privateer. So even in the even in the 1700s, books had subtitles. Like, I thought it was, like, an irritating thing of, like, modern books where everything has to have a subtitle. Yeah. But... Apparently, it's it's pretty common even back then. So if you want to read about Selkirk, that's the legit way to like find out as much as possible from his stuff, and to like just take an in depth uh, look at like what privateering life was like back then. Like this yeah. thing is legit. It's written in a in an almost different kind of language because it's you know eighteen hundreds oh. mm-hmm. um, English, right? So it's like sure. if you try to read. American Constitution. That's like, what the hell does that say? You know, you kind of need an interpreter. It's very flowery and stuff, but it's not like Shakespeare, but it's it's close to that. So sure. that's what you could um, find out. But Selkirk, Alexander Selkirk, the guy who was actually marooned and then rescued, um, he stayed on that guy's ship for a while, did some own thing, uh, did some other things, became a captain of his own ship, um, eventually went back to Scotland where he was born, um surprised his family they all thought that he was dead he wasn't a great dude he ended up like taking uh this um milkmaid down to london never got married or anything this is like when he's in his 40s uh takes this milkmaid down to london doesn't marry her and she's like 18 right yeah yeah (laughs) he eventually gets married to somebody else a couple years later and he's like he wants to go back to sea so he goes out and um, now he's a um, lieutenant in the Royal Navy. So he's got a name for himself. He's got some money. He's actually an officer, but he wants to go back to sea. And he goes out and ends up getting yellow fever and dies when they're around Africa somewhere. So that's about all there is to his story. But something that's basically lost to history that you don't ever find out about unless you're from that particular region in Scotland. Yeah, I had no idea about that. Also, like, ballsy move just being like, just leave me here. (laughs) On an island, just like, I'm good. Bye. Do we we know if that ship actually didn't make it? or It 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 actually sank. Um, So this was... So this island was 400 miles off the coast of Chile and they left him and and they go sailing on and around the coast of Peru somewhere the ship actually sinks. It uh, kills almost everybody aboard. The captain of the ship is rescued, but he's rescued by the Spanish and they put him in a Peruvian prison where, you know, he spends the rest of his short life in a prison back then. So, yeah. Yeah, he probably did a good thing staying off of that ship. He knew that they um, had some issues and the ship was going to sink, and and it actually did. So <laughs> He was like, look, this island has cats, and that boat is going down. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good here, guys. Let's, let's just stay. Yeah, but he was the only one that stayed. Um, there's one account I read where like he was actually thinking of kind of starting a rebellion, and like maybe he had... 
an agreement with some of the other sailors and they're like oh yeah i totally got your back bro if you do that and he did it and he was like screw you captain like i'm staying here and all the other guys were like oh yeah uh <laughs> never mind i'm done <laughs> yeah sure yeah, yeah and sure. so he ended yes, up just do. being you know by himself so uh, there's some accounts where like he was very regretful immediately and like begged to get back on the ship but the captain was like nah you made your decision here's your musket and you're good um but it, it says that they left him with a bible and he read the bible quite a bit and he sung psalms to himself while he was there alone and it was one of it was like the most spiritual that he had ever been when he was on that island and of course things changed and he yeah stole an eight-year-old barmaid away from her or sorry a milkmaid away from her thing and took her to london only to leave her for another woman that he married so yeah wasn't a great guy but you know i was gonna say like yeah i imagine you would get really spiritual because a nothing else to do so just read the bible a bunch and also just like please let someone rescue me and then once you're back to just like debauchery in london you're like whatever (laughs) all right like could you imagine you're like God, I promise if you send someone to rescue me, I will be good and worship you for the rest of my life. Will, and then I he gets back to love and he's like, church. wow, these bars are great here. Look at those milkmaids, man. They are hot. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. I, I think it's a pretty good metaphor for just humanity in general. What's crazy, though, is like we have this story of this guy, but there was like hundreds of thousands of probably like millions when you consider like all the sailors of all the different countries over the years like there's probably some pretty interesting stories out there that are completely lost and we have the story of this one guy who was actually sort of a shitty human being in a a lot of ways so i have um i don't know the person's name but i know somewhere on my list of topics there is a female pirate that I was like, never heard of this lady before. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to research her more. Cause I just read like a little blurb about her and was like, dude, (laughs) like, I don't know any of these people, but like, there are so many like badass historical women that you were just like, never taught about ever. But also the same for men. Like, I don't know so many people I have on this list to learn about. Well, there, there's actually like, you know, we have a Black History Month every year in February, right. and we hear about these same people, but there's like yeah. very interesting people out there that you never hear about. And I, I can't remember some of the stories I've heard right now, but it is like way more interesting than what we're actually taught. Yeah. Like one of the signers of the um, uh, Declaration of Independence was uh, a guy that was black and was never a slave and just live like anybody else but we don't hear about this guy like, yeah. why is this why do we have to learn these stupid same things about history this might be a like and it's a very uh like broad uh or very what's the word for it this might not be correct but they do there have been a few like reports that even hamilton might have been mixed they're like there are a couple of references mm. to him being a mulatto because he yeah, was actually that. An immigrant from um, some isles, which I can't think of right now. Yeah, it's like there's, but yeah, there's a ton of interesting people that are just like glossed over. And we just hear about like the same people over and over and over, which are important people, but expand um, our knowledge base. We actually had pretty much verifiable a gay president. And this is in like Hmm. the early 1800s. Like, um, yeah, James Buchanan. 
show. Um, he was never married. Um, he had someone who always accompanied him, uh, a younger male, and um, he was actually known as the first lady. <laughs> sort of like jokingly, but like still, awesome. like seriously. So <laughs> he was real. almost guaranteed like um, to be a gay man, but yeah. it's something that's just <laughs> sort of lost. And we hear about how, you know, bigoted the founders were, but obviously like we're kind of, we're kind of like shielded from how the world actually was back then. Like yeah. there was like a lot more tolerance than what we're taught. Like in certain segments, like of course, you know, like if you look like Salem witch trials and stuff, like something happened weird there, right? Like that was totally weird. And, and they did like burn people for being witches, but that was like one community, but like society yeah. as a whole, I think was like much more tolerant than what we have the idea of. Well, also, referring to the witch trials i could be wrong about this but i'm pretty sure i've read too that they were like it was only like a handful of people too it wasn't this like oh, long yeah. drawn out no. thing it was like maybe like two people died from like because they're always like i think oh, it was they were, three yeah it's like not a lot of people and then they're like yeah. oh no but they had all of these different ways to test if you were a witch and if you didn't pass you died and it was they made it seem like it was this long going thing and they did like hundreds right. of people were tested and it was like no, it was only just like a couple of people. <laughs> like, that goes the, the the witch testing thing goes back to like like one thousand AD, like early, um, and it was very rare that anything like that would ever happen. It, the Salem yeah. thing gets sort of a um, notoriety because they actually did execute a few people. Most of the time, it was like they executed one person and nobody cared. They were like, "Yeah, that person's a weirdo." <laughs> Yeah, bye. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not saying it's right. I'm just saying that um, it was just yeah. like one person that they singled out, and they were like, "This person is crazy. We uh, need to get rid of them." She keeps giving us potions. <laughs> I think she gave uh, a couple of those potions to to George Washington. Yeah, yeah. What's with the bloodletting? And <laughs> you know, I have Newt. I don't understand. Yeah. So I had ghosts in my blood. I don't. Uh... <laughs> we needed to get them out. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for coming up with that. It's on like uh, some Tumblr meme or whatever, where it's like, back in the day, they used to just give you opium or whatever. Like a doctor would just be like, I don't know, take some opium, do some coke. You have ghosts in your blood. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not wrong. They literally were like, just drain yourself of blood. Drill a hole in your head. <laughs> right. <laughs> You have too much pressure in your head. <laughs> you let that shit out. Doctor, I've gained 15 pounds. You have too much blood. <laughs> okay, so 15 pounds. Okay, 15 <laughs> pounds of blood. Yeah, that's how it works out. You have an overabundance of free air and blood. <laughs> I'm amazed you're alive. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, interesting to make fun of people like this, but honestly, with that microscope, like, how would you ever know? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, never. We're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Too much blood, sure. Yeah. They didn't understand uh, germs, like actual, like, viruses and bacteria, you know, things that would make you sick, until, like, late, late 1800s. Like, they had no idea. Because yeah. you couldn't see them. It's, it's, it's amazing to me that people lived... Uh, to be over like 30 years old back then which i know a lot didn't but yeah it's, a lot so, it's, did. 
Yeah. I know Daniel Boone was like 80 something years old, you know, living in the wilderness his whole life, you know, having a pretty tough existence. Like, imagine what that dude's diet consisted of like beef and squirrels and whatever kind of like vegetables they were growing, right? Like, I mean, he's just, he just went lived, really intense he? keto. He's just keto. He's fine. <laughs> well, there might be something to that. Um, the Inuits um, up in Alaska, you know what we call the Eskimos nowadays, like yeah, yeah. mostly a diet consisting of um, seals. Yeah. So mostly meat, like almost entirely meat. Like when I was researching this and about scurvy and whatnot, it's like, how did the Inuits deal with that kind of diet? Because you don't get vitamin C from yeah. any sources other than, you know, fresh grains and citrus and whatnot. So I'm not sure how the Inuit diet dealt with that, but... I don't know the guy's name. I've been reminded of it a few times over the years. There was a modern scientist who spent like a couple years with the Inuits and ate their diet, you know, almost exclusively seal meat. Yeah. And actually had like some crazy health benefits. Yeah. I remember hearing about this because I, okay. I've done keto before. Yeah. And I don't, I'm, I don't think it'll work for everyone. I don't think anything works for everyone. When I was on it, I can't stick with it because I love carbs way too much. But potato, right? Yeah. Bread. I don't want a burger wrapped in lettuce. I want bread. Yeah. And if I can have bun, is there anything better? If I can have it like toasted with With butter, yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh huh. Um, But I did read about that. But keto for me, I, because dad lovingly passed on his hypothyroidism to me mm-hmm. it actually like it fixed so many things like i okay. felt great i was losing weight yeah. and my skin cleared up which has been an issue my entire life and it's probably because my hormones are all out of whack probably in part due to my thyroid so keto like totally cleared that up and i probably should stick with it a little bit longer and see if it has like long-term effects on me but i was like eh, i'll just run and eat less things and drink less <laughs> just do low car or low calorie because i need carbs they're good right well there's a few people out there who are advocating for the all meat diet mm-hmm. like totally like not even keto or yeah, yeah like like just, jordan peterson and his daughter yes all meat mm-hmm. yeah i forget his daughter's name but yeah she's a advocate. yes yeah i think so or something close to that yeah um She's for the all meat diet. Yeah. I just she... saw she did like a 90 hour fast. Oh. So I don't time. know. That that girl might be well with all due respect think... a little crazy, but um I think in her case it's a little different though too cuz I listen I don't think anyone should be on an all meat diet. That sounds insane. But I do think there are probably certain special circumstances and she seems like she's one of them. Yeah, um, where she was she allergic was to everything. Literally everything. She was on the yeah. Joe Rogan podcast and that's where I actually heard uh, that's about my it. experience with her as well. So, yeah. Yeah, where she she was like, but she even said like I don't think it's going to work for everyone, but yeah. I eliminated things and slowly tried to add other things back in and none of them like I had reactions to all of them. So she's like, right. that this is what I can have. And she's yeah. like happy eating it. And I was like, look, I like steak, but I can't eat steak every single day, all day, nothing no. else. Cause she's literally limited herself just down to steak. It's not even meat. She's just oh having my gosh. steak. Yeah. Just beef. Just beef. That's I, I wonder, um, a lot of the Western cowboys ate basically an all meat diet. 
um, some few potatoes and greens every once in a while, but basically it was like all meat, all all beef, and um, we're talking like mostly jerky. But there was so much, you know, because they're cowboys, there's so much fresh cattle. They did have a lot of like fresh beef, and it was all obviously completely grass fed or you know yeah. foliage fed. It wasn't you know corn fed in a yeah in a in a beef corral. <laughs> but For sure. um. So there's something more to that. But those guys, that, let's be honest, they didn't live, uh, you know, a long and healthy life either. Probably not. Probably a lot of scurvy. Yeah, like how did they ad- account for the scurvy? <laughs> Scurvy's a big deal. Well, we're, here's the You deal. know we're one of three animals who doesn't produce vitamin C on their own? I didn't know that. And when you yeah. said that, I was like, huh? That's not Weird. fair. No, that sucks. It does suck. So we should eat a lot of vitamin C. That's what I'm yeah. taking away from that. I should probably <laughs> eat more. Yeah. I don't eat a ton of citrusy things. I know it's not like the only place you can find it, but I don't really eat a lot of citrusy things. So I probably well, am not. Well, most greens and and uh, sure. certain vegetables. So you're good there. Citrus just has a shit ton of it. Yeah, probably don't eat enough vegetables either. I know I don't eat enough fruit. Do you ever think about the fruit, the food pyramid, which has been like debunked, of course, but they were like, you're supposed to have like two to three servings of fruit every day. And I was like, every day I go many (laughs) days without having fruit. Well, fruit is considered bad nowadays because it has sugar. Sugar. So it's like you should just have vegetables. So take those fruit servings and add it to the vegetable servings. And that's like 12 servings of vegetables a day, (laughs) according to the freaking food pyramid. How am I supposed to do that? I don't I, want to do that. I don't like vegetables. Like, I will eat them, but I don't like them. I don't mind them. They're not my favorite, but I don't I don't mind them. Thank goodness. But here's well, the yeah, thing. I'll I've, eat them. I've, I've been bitching about this lately because I'm trying to eat better, which means I'm trying to eat a lot of salad. And I'm like, man, I hate salad. It is so boring. It sucks. Salad dressings all suck. Unless it's homemade ranch, they all suck suck like i don't want a vinaigrette i don't want italian i don't want thousand island which is disgusting i want that on a burger i don't want that on my salad that's terrible yeah and really only an in and out burger for being you know completely honest so yes 100 percent. yeah i i don't i don't like salads unless it's covered in ranch and then ranch is just like defeating the whole purpose of it yeah, I don't even want ranch on a salad. Like, I want blue cheese. That's where, true. Where, like, most of my salad is blue cheese. Yeah, I need a, a, a good homemade ranch or a homemade blue cheese. I don't yes. want shitty packaged. Here's the thing. No. You can get an okay packaged blue cheese. Like, okay. You cannot get a good packaged ranch. It's impossible. I swear. They suck. Hidden like Valley. Like, bottle? Yeah. Hidden yeah. Valley is okay, but it's not, like, the homemade like buttermilk ranch that like you make or you get at certain places where you're like, this is so good. So if you can't you, find that. Have you ever gotten the ranch packets? Oh, that's like all I do. I have to yeah. make it myself because that everyone is like, else sucks. Why is that so much better than the ranch you get in the bottle? It's, it's a hidden Valley package yeah. of ranch. Yes. So I asked and my friend. The hidden this. Valley bottle of ranch is nothing like that. No. But Can you please I, just make it the same? I know. Okay, so I complained about this the other day, but I do like Hidden Valley Bottle Ranch because it's it's different than like okay. the typical like craft ones. It's sure. never what I prefer, but if I no. have to buy a bottle, I'm going. That's to That's what Valley. I buy. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. 
hundred percent. By the way, they have an avocado one now, which is pretty good. Is it good? Okay. I haven't had it yet. But I was complaining the other day because I went to this like really awesome barbecue place here because obviously I live where they make really good barbecue. And usually they have really good salads and ranch. Yes, And I went through one and I was like, great. I've heard a lot of people like this place. I just got a salad with like smoked chicken on it. I was like, great. And they gave me ranch and it was that shitty pre-packaged Ken's Steakhouse ranch dressing, (laughs) which tastes horrible. And I was like, I was complaining. I'm like, why can they not just give me what I want with like the homemade buttermilk ranch, like those packets or like certain other food places have? I was like, why can't I get that in a bottle? And my coworker was like, I think it has to do with the refrigeration process because I think this, I think the buttermilk ranch has things in it that have to be refrigerated and can't sit on a shelf. And I was like, you might be onto something here and I'm pissed about it. I (laughs) I think that's what it is. It's really unfortunate, but yeah, I think that's what it is. And I wonder like, I've never looked it up, but when you make those packages of ranch, how long Mm -hmm. do they last? Not long. I don't think long. Yeah. Because they are made with buttermilk and mayo or sour cream. So you've got to refrigerate it, obviously. Well, refrigerating it, yeah. But does it last a week or does it last like two or three days? I don't know. If it lasted a week or two, I might do it all the time. But I don't know if it lasts that long. I don't know either. Yeah. All I know is that I, if I make ranch, I go through it quicker than a week. So it's never an issue for me. So I just make it. Mm. But in Utah, we also had wild coyote ranch. And it was like frozen. Or not frozen. Gross. It was refrigerated ranch like the Lighthouse brand. You know, it's like in mm. that section. And yeah. it was like the homemade, really good, amazing ranch. But we don't what? have anything like that out here. Wait There's no good ranch so out here. So something exists out there. That they can refrigerate in a bottle. Yeah. And it's good. Well, that's my thing. Is like Lighthouse, all of their stuff is refrigerated. Why can't they just make a good ranch in there? I don't know. I've I bought the Lighthouse. It's twice as much as the uh, Hidden Valley or Ken's version. Sure. And it's not really any better. Nope. So you're telling me that there's something in that section that only exists in Utah and it's pretty good. Oh, it's incredible. Ah, dude. It's called Wild Coyote. They give it to you in a normal bottle, like the Lighthouse. They give it to you in, like, the big bottle, like the big mason jar. And then they'll also have little, like, serving cups, like the little ones that you would get, like, at Domino's when they give you, like, ranch dipping sauce. It's, like, a little thing like that. They're two for a dollar. I used to get them all the time. They're incredible. That'd be so good on pizza. Oh, it is. Anytime we would get pizza, we would stop at the store, pick those up, and then go to pick up the pizza oh man (laughs) yeah like um i'm trying to save money and eat healthier but i think you just convinced me to go get a pizza the only (laughs) thing is like i had to drink a lot to do this podcast so i shouldn't drive no but there is delivery yeah I was going to say, you can deliver it, I'm sure. Yeah, I can. I'm a little bit on the outskirts, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I found a really good brick oven pizza next to the dog park. Uh-huh. And I tried to order from them the other day. And I was like, oh, I just really want pizza. It's all I thought about. And I was like, I'm going to take my dogs to the dog park yeah. and get pizza. And then 
I tried to order and they were like, we're closed. And I was like, what do you mean? Like everything said that they were closed. I called the number and it just disconnected me. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? I was like, why? I just <laughs> found good pizza. And they're What remodeling. day of the week was this? <laughs> it was a work day, but they're remodeling. <laughs> I drove by and they were remodeling and I was like, thank goodness you didn't close because I just found you and I would be (laughs) so pissed because it was like brick oven pizza and then it was uh, mozzarella, ricotta, olive oil, and prosciutto. And I was like, yes. And I live in the middle of nowhere, so I don't have access to any of these things unless I drive Uh for like more than two hours. So I know. I I live in the city. Yeah. We're in like everything a, now. You live in a food city. Like, yes, let's I do. Like, holy cow. <laughs> so and great. you finally found a hot chicken place. So I need to like come out and visit you just for that. Oh, it was so good. I mean, oh. I knew about them, but I, we just hadn't gone to them. But yeah, oh. I need to go to the other ones. But it was literally it was so good that my friend cried the whole time eating it. And then um, from later on. Yeah, from, from hotness. Yeah. Okay. Hotness. But then later on, he literally was like, I don't think they gave me the hot. I think they gave me the extra spicy because they were like, here's this white boy coming in here thinking he can <laughs> thinking he can just handle our hot. And I was like, he's like, I think it's because I ordered it and was just like, give me the hot. And I was like, no, literally, that was just the hot. That was not the extra spicy. <laughs> They've literally said on interviews, they actually do the opposite where people come in and say, I want the hot. And they're like, yeah, you're getting the medium. <laughs> <laughs> he was like like it was so painful for him that he was like there's no way that was only the hot and not the extra spicy and I was like no <laughs> I gotta try it out because I like spicy food a lot so I gotta see how bad it is yeah I I won't lie if if you come out here and we go to Bolton's I would say get the medium because it was still very hot that's what I had Yeah, very hot but I wasn't like there were moments it was sort of uncomfortable, but it was still just like, I can enjoy this. The hot, my friend was like uncomfortable the whole time. Right. Which is not what you want. Not really. Um, yeah. I don't they know. Might, for, they might let you do like though? a piece hot and the other one's medium or something. So you could at least have that experience. Right. Yeah. I, I think I'd go all out. I, uh, we have access out here to like a, um, a, a woman from Thailand. She actually makes some Thai food. We're right. not part of a restaurant or anything. We can like order once a week from her. Sure. And it's she has a hot beef and basil Ooh. dish, right? Beef and basil and rice, right? And you get it in the package and it looks like, you know, there's like Christmas lights on it, right? <laughs> I mean, there are so many seeds and little pieces of peppers, you know, green and red peppers everywhere. Like it's just so much and it's a big portion. And if you eat it, I can handle hot food, but it's so yeah. much spice. It's so much into it that it actually like burns a hole in my stomach and I and I pay for it, right? Because it's just <laughs> sure. so much. Yeah. So as long as the hot chicken isn't like that, I can handle hot food. But when it's so much spice that it just sits in your stomach and like yeah. burns a hole in your stomach, that's when it becomes an issue. We went from there, we came back to my house and I had, um, I know I've Ice sent you cream. a picture of it. No, but I've sent you a picture of it before. <laughs> There's a strawberry milk out here that is like 
literally the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> it's so good. And it's white. It's not pink. And I'm like, oh. it doesn't make sense, but it's no. so good. I had bought it because we had gone to the store and I was like, we walked past it. And I was like, hey, do you like strawberry milk? And he was like, yes. And I was like, cool, we're going to get this and you're going to love it. So then later we went to Bolton's, came back and I was like, we should have brought the strawberry milk with us because... <laughs> This was insane. And like I poured him some and he was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. But we literally, <laughs> we went from Bolton's, we came home, drank strawberry milk and then went to play with uh, my dogs at the trainers. And I was like, I was like, yeah, are we going to be not able to go play with dogs? Because we're going to be like, he literally looked at me at one point across the table and went, um, so I'm just going to live in your bathroom with a bottle of whiskey tonight. And I was like, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, here's the different thing. So there's Prince's, which is like original. Prince's is like the big place out here. And so is Bolton's. They're both like the original hot chicken places out here. Bolton's does a dry rub. So it's like, that was the worst part. We both sat down and went to like take a bite and inhaled all the dry spices. And then we were like, we're screwed. And then there's also Hattie B's, which is like some famous chef opened it. And he it's not like a Southern based thing, but it also is only out here. But he does incredible hot chicken. And so there's always super big lines at Prince's and Hattie B's. But Bolton's is one of the original places. It's on like every TV show that does hot chicken. Yes. And there's very rarely a line. So I was like, we're going to Bolton's. Yeah. And it was so good. No, that's like the not. actual chicken is very good too. So it's like, this is painful, but it's very tasty. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, okay. This was, this was fun. Yeah. Um, Did you... I'm encouraged to look up another topic because when I first started, it was like, oh, this is work. This is. Work. Yeah. <laughs> I started typing. Like, yeah. I started typing and I was like, this feels like a book report. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. Totally. So now I'm like, this is fun. I'll, I'll do it again. This is great. Yeah. Okay. We learned about bloodletting by me. You talked about Alexander Selkirk. I'm Cola. This is my brother, Matt. Thank you for listening to our podcast. All three people that I know. <laughs> <laughs>